0: Welcome to the RunFit365.com podcast, episode 20. Booyah! Welcome back to the RunFit365.com podcast. I'm Travis Lozier, and that guy right there, that's Coach Dan Cuson. How's it going, my man? We have cameras running or something. No, I just you know I was trying to mix it up.
1: You, <laughs> what what do you think of that? Well, it was great except for I was a little nervous about what I'm wearing and you know how I look just in case you could actually see me. You know, you always look good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, should we start this one over? I'm just kidding. <laughs> we've got a we've got a really good show lined up today. Um, one of my personal favorite topics is kind of nutrition before. Um, you know, a race or a run. And I know people, um, always kind of struggle with that. You know, what do I eat before a run? What do I eat before a race? And, um, Dan's put together some tips for us today, um, to help us prepare, prepare for our next race or our run. We also have, um, a good runner runners, uh, random runner's world, um, lined up today too. So I'll do better trying to talk. So (laughs) (laughs) let's see how this goes. So Dan, talk to us about you know how to fuel for your next run or next race. What, what do you um, what do you have for us?
1: So I've got a lot of things to cover here, and I'm hoping it comes across in a in a good way. So I want to talk a little bit about um, sort of your pre nutrition for training, your pre nutrition for racing, um, some calculations and some examples based on. You know, probably some average weights of athletes. Um, Talk about some of the the things you can eat that would sort of fulfill your needs, Um, and then sort for the the pre race stuff. You know, a little bit about carb loading, um, sort of your do's and your don'ts, and then if we can get to it, a little bit about hydration. Although um, that could be a separate uh, sort of podcast. So. I'll get moving on this as quickly as I can. Travis, stop me if you have any questions or if I'm not making any sense. But um, starting with things like your training uh, throughout the week, and this is these are days that are not your race, um, <clears throat> timing of, of nutrition, and a lot of this is really dependent on you because everybody's body's a little bit different. Some people's um, stomach is a little bit more sensitive than others, so you have to adjust this for yourself. But typically, eating something within one to two hours prior to a workout um, is sufficient. And because our bodies need the, the glucose for the workout, it should be a primary—the uh, nutri- uh, nutrition of the meal should be primarily carbohydrates. So 60 70% uh, should be a carbohydrate, with the remaining 40, 30 to 40% being the balance of protein and fat. Um, to calculate this, so you know, I've, I've got lots of books, I've got lots of uh, educational material, that sort of thing. And so basically the recommended amounts are about a half to one gram per kilogram. And we'll go over some examples of what that looks like and how you can calculate yours, um, which will get you basically how many grams of carbohydrates, protein and fat, and how many calories that equals out to. your pre-training meals. And I, the one thing I always want to put in here is to focus on making these meals, uh, nutrient dense. So in other words, you, you could probably eat a Pop-Tart, right. And get the same amount of calories and the same balance of carbs to protein and fat, but really there's almost probably zero nutritional value in a Pop-Tart. So, um, We'll talk a little bit about that and I'll give you some examples of some decent, uh, pre-training meals you can look at, but just think quality over quantity in, in that aspect. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, oh, and by the way, this is a good time while you're training to practice for race day, especially on things like your, your long runs, because your long runs are probably the closest to simulating your race in, in terms of, Uh, the amount of time you're out there running, your amount of miles. So it's a good time to practice your pre-running regimen, I guess, for what you eat and alter it from there because you don't want to be trying new things on race day. So let's talk about a couple examples. Um, Using the uh, 0.5 to 1 grams per kilogram, I've got an example that's a female example and a male example. Um, And that's just simply because females typically weigh a little bit less. So let's say um, a 125-pound female athlete. And so the first thing you need to do is get yourself – those are in pounds. You want to get it down to kilograms. And that's a simple equation by dividing that by 2.2. So that's 56, 57 kilograms. Um, And so we're going to then multiply that uh, kilogram amount by 0.5 to get the lower end of the range. So we said we want 0.5 grams per kilogram. So that's essentially going to give you about 28 grams of carbohydrates, which is about 113 calories. So that's your starting point. And then you can um, calculate the balance of the protein and fats. You have 28 grams of carbohydrates. um, And then you want to multiply that 28 grams by... 0.3 or that 30 percent and that gives you about eight and a half grams to balance between the protein and the fat so um, on the low end the 0.5 grams per kilogram you're looking at about 28 grams of carbohydrates and eight and a half grams of protein and fat on the high end of that you're looking at more like a one gram per kilogram and so you take your 56 kilos that you weigh Um, And that's an easy calculation. It's about 56 grams of carbohydrate. And then multiply that by 0.3, and that gets about 17. So just a a high-level summary of that equation. Um, Essentially, you're looking at about 28 to 57 grams of carbohydrate, um, 9 to 17 grams of the balance of protein and fat. And so altogether, that equals about 148 150 to 300 calories, essentially. How confusing is that, Travis? Uh, well, it's really
0: confusing. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> no. try, I'm trying to track it with you, but that I was going to chime in. I, I'm sure you're going to put this all in
1: a blog entry, correct? Absolutely, and I even toyed with... I, I don't know if I can... I don't have um, the coding experience, I don't think, to make a page where you could calculate this. If I can figure that out somehow, or we can... Maybe that's what we'll do is create a page where you can calculate these best practice sort of things. But at the least, you know, Travis knows Excel is, I love Excel, Microsoft Excel. Maybe I can um, create something that people can just plug in their numbers, download it from the site or something and plug in their numbers. Um, I, will sh- I will on the blog um, show the calculation so it makes more sense. I guess the end result is 125-pound female should be looking at about, um, 150 to 300 calories uh, pre training, and um, you know, 60 to 70 percent of those should be carbs. That's probably the easiest way to say that.
0: Yeah, and I think that it, it was helpful to hear you walk through that equation. Um, so I wasn't being critical, I just think it would be helpful for people um, so they can plug in their numbers to see that same equation just
1: kind of on the blog entry so they can, you know, uh, make it real for them absolutely totally totally get how that's confusing so using and I won't go over each step for the the 160 pound male but same thing you're looking at um, a half to a full gram per kilogram so a 160 pound um, male would be about a 73 uh, kilo or kilograms and that is about 190 to 380 calories again 70% of those are carbohydrates So if you think about the the types of food um, that are decent, uh, you know, contain enough nutrients to where, you know, you're talking about you're going to be running in one or two hours. You want your body as um, prepared for that as possible. Our cells really don't care what the food tastes like. They care what the food contains. And so, um, you know, some examples that could get you to those amount of calories with uh, similar breakdown um, is like yogurt with some berries or other kind of fruit. Uh, Cottage cheese with berries or fruit, Uh, although on both of those, especially the cottage cheese, there's a lot of protein in that. So make it less cottage cheese and and more of the fruit. Um, Banana with peanut butter, or if you're like in my household where there's a nut allergy, there's There's plenty of other options out there like soy, butter, and actually, believe it or not, that actually tastes pretty good. Um, But it's got that similar mix like peanut butter or sunflower butter. Um, And toast, you know, when I was a kid, we ate toast with uh, peanut butter and bananas on it. That's really good. Um, Got a good mix of that stuff. Um, Just keep it low on the peanut butter side because it's got a lot of fat and protein to it. Um, Steel-cut oatmeal with skim milk and berries, that kind of thing. And then something that I've been doing more and more of are homemade smoothies. Um, here's, here's one recipe that actually gets you really close if you're that 125-pound female. Uh, take, and trust me, when I, when I say the ingredients, you might just turn, on, you know, turn down the volume, but it's really not that bad. It actually tastes pretty good. Uh, take a cup, take a cup and a half of spinach or some other dark leafy green, cup of um frozen strawberries a pear a kiwi you know whatever kind of fruit you like although keep it on the uh, uh keep it so that it doesn't contain a lot of uh, insoluble fiber things that uh, don't digest well or actually uh, you don't want to run after eating um, and then for the protein um, a great option is uh, chia seed, a tablespoon of chia seed, or if that doesn't float your boat, you know, peanut butter or some sort of nut butter. But with that recipe, um, you're looking at 62 grams of carbs, 5 grams of protein, and 5 grams of fat for a total of 286 calories. And I tell you, if you eat something like that, or in that case, drink something like that an hour or two before your run, you're just going to be ready to go. Your cells are going to be totally nourished. Um, The other good thing about a smoothie is it contains the the hydration, the liquid as well. So um, it's a great idea to to think about nutrition before you run so that um, your cells get what they need and you get the most out of your workout. Any questions about that before we move on to kind of the differences between training and race day?
0: No, I I think you're going to cover hydration too um, in this next segment. But one of the things you mentioned earlier was – um, you know, you want to consume, you know, your pre-run food an mm-hmm. hour to two hours. Is that, you know, is there a kind of a guiding principle there or, or is it just really dependent on your body? You know, should you just listen to, you know, what works for you?
1: Yeah, it is it is very much what works for you. Um, the one thing I would say is tr- of try and avoid the – not eating all day, you know, skipping meals either either by accident or on purpose, um, and then trying to, to get it in one to two hours before your workout. You always want to try and keep a, a balance. The same same thing goes with hydration. Try to stay constantly hydrated and not try to just you know get it in so you can work out. But you know, w- an athlete that doesn't have any digestion problems or doesn't have a super sensitive stomach can probably get away with an hour away for most of these meals and get the energy they need and and don't have any GI upset. Um, But if you have a sensitive stomach, you know, you might be closer to the two hours. So, you know, you might start with the two hours and see how that does for you. And if it worked out great, you know, bump it up to an hour and a half or an hour and 45 and, and try that the next time and just see how you do. Um, I wouldn't probably go any closer than an hour though because yep. then you're you're potentially going to, you know, put yourself at risk for cramping and that sort of thing. Gotcha. Did that answer your question? Yeah, it did.
0: And then the other note I had, and I think you touched on it early, was, um, you know, getting a routine of whatever you put in your body uh, to be consistent with that. And I just think back to sometimes when you go – either out of state or in your, in a different environment for a race. Um, if you don't plan through what you're going to need for the race, you may find yourself on race morning, you know, stepping outside of your comfort zone to find something that uh, may not be part of your routine. And you know, that's always risky. Oh yeah. So I think you cover that and you may even be talking about it this next part. But, um, when you mentioned that it just kind of set home sometimes when, you, you know you're not staying at your
1: house mm-hmm. it's, it's easy to forget about nutrition race morning absolutely you got to plan like we go to my parents house and I might have a race in the morning and uh, I always forget they don't keep the same kind of food that I keep
0: Yeah.
1: and so you, you almost have to plan as part of your travel what you're going to take with you so you have everything on race day absolutely yeah so now we're moving into the pre-race routine um, and a lot of this is based on your practice in your training, so your long runs. And, and actually I would do some shorter races throughout your training cycle if you can, just to um, practice, even if they're shorter races, to practice that nutrition because, you know, you might do fine in a long run, but you get those pre-race jitters and your stomach doesn't act quite the same. So, you know, as you go through and you get what's comfortable for your workouts. Um, try that same, same thing with your, um, with the mock race and just see how it does. That way, when it comes to race day, you're in better shape. Um, And the, the 0.5 to one gram per kilogram is probably fine for something up to about a 10 K. Um, some people could probably get away with doing a half marathon with that, but a lot of the recommendations I read about, um, longer endurance races um, you know half marathon marathon or or more you can go up to about two to two and a half grams per kilogram so again you know this this range this full range goes from a half gram to two and a half grams and I can't tell you personally you know what you should be doing because essentially depends on you you may not be able to do any more than half a gram But just to kind of put that in perspective, um, that that same 125 pound athlete, uh, the female athlete, um, based on the one and a half to two and a half grams per kilogram, you're looking at 440 to 740 calories. Now, the the tricky part about that is, you know, 740 calories is a lot of calories to eat um, two to three or one to three hours before a race. And although that is sort of what they put in the text, I think I would be really careful about doing that, especially without practice, because you're liable to weigh yourself down, not be able to race to your fullest, and try to make up some of those calories during the race. So, um, again, that's why it's important for you to practice that. Uh, That 160-pound male example was 756 calories to 950. That's a lot of calories and, and, you know... for the same reasons, a reason for you to practice. So, um, make sure that when you do your training, you're thinking about race day and not just about your training day. So, um, use what you've learned essentially in those in those training sessions. Any questions about that or anything different in your experience, Travis?
0: Now, when you talked about you know the the example, the 125 female and you know, consuming 700 calories before, um, you know, the race, that that is a lot. So when you talked about kind of pushing some of that into, were you implying that some of that could shift into um, a pre-race fuel type of um, energy or or maybe talk a little bit more about, you know, what your vision there was?
1: Yeah, so for example, um, let's say you're going to aim for the 700 calories you could eat, you know, something similar to the smoothie or or one of those other meals I mentioned, and that's going to get you maybe to the 400 calorie range. Mm -hmm. Um, But maybe instead of uh, trying to eat more food, you're going to, you know, if you're a heavy sweater or something and and you know you need the electrolytes, you might do a sports drink to to gain some of those calories. Um, You might not try and get them in at the the, uh, starting line. You might after a few miles, five miles maybe, start to um, you know, gain some of those calories there versus um, trying to fit them in during the race. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about another podcast, the, the during-the-race nutrition and the after-the-race nutrition, but I, what I guess what I'm saying is just because science says you should you know, potentially eat 440 calories to 740 calories before a race, that doesn't mean you personally need to try and do that it, you need to try and figure out what works for you um, that doesn't cramp you up that gives you the, the proper nutrition so that you're not you know, so you actually get to your race goal
0: yeah and that goes back to your point even practicing what that feels like on a 5k or 10k um, at a local road race is probably the best way to figure out what works for you personally and I, I completely agree with that Dan
1: yep. um, so very good so i got a couple more things, um, and I, you know, we're probably about 20 minutes in or so. Um, carb loading. So depending on who you ask, some people say, yeah, it's a good idea, and some people say it's not worth your time. I'm kind of in between. I see the benefits of it. Um, essentially, what you're doing with carb loading is you're making your glycogen stores uh, to their highest level. Your muscle, your liver are great places to get a lot of energy for race day. And um, I think the one thing people do incorrectly is they just go crazy the night before and eat a a ton of pasta or or whatever to try and get those stores up. But the thing is, it doesn't quite work that way. You got to do it progressively. Um, So really, the the best rule of thumb is to do it progressively and and start to do it between five and seven days out, probably closer to the five-day mark. And, and add those carbs in uh, over those five days. Keep the meals, you know, normal meals. Don't try to stuff yourself. Don't go for a, a spaghetti dinner that's all you can eat or something and try to stuff it in because your body can only store so much. And at some point it's going to say, oop, there's a little too much extra here and, and we'll store it as fat essentially. So you don't want to do that. That's such um, a great tip, Dan.
0: I mean some of the big marathons like Chicago and – um, I don't think Boston does it, but I think one of the rock and roll races we did in Vegas, what they offer athletes is a spaghetti or a pasta dinner the, the night before the race. And it essentially is. I'm not kidding. Um, it's an all-you-can-eat kind of pasta buffet. And yep. you just know that some new runners are over there just probably overdoing it, thinking that you know when they hear the term carb load, they're, they're – thinking that this is going to do me some favors tomorrow during the race when it's (laughs) having the exact opposite effect on um, their race. So I think that's such a good tip. And the other thing that I thought of was, you know, when you're in a new city, we've overlooked it several times, Alyssa and I have, so we've kind of learned the hard way. But when you're in a big marathon, um, make sure you get reservations ahead of time, because we've been in a position before where we were eating dinner around eight thirty or nine o'clock for a race that right. was happening, um, you know, at seven in the morning. So um, it, it's things that you just don't think about going into a race weekend, and they can blindside you. So um, that's just a helpful tip that we've kind of learned the hard way: is not only you know think about where you're going to eat, but think about can you get into that restaurant based on you know if you're. R- racing a large marathon—that's always an issue.
1: Absolutely right. So that it, its not a—if it's not a focus on the quantity of carbs you can eat, it's that you're um, you're shifting your regular-sized meal to be more carbs, um, a higher percentage of carbs. Mm-hmm. And so you know, start that earlier in the week, and on the the night before, go ahead and do that spaghetti dinner thing, but just make it a regular amount. Don't stuff yourself because you'll feel bloated essentially the next day most likely. And don't forget um, to save room for the, the nutrients part. You know, spaghetti and meatballs has not got a lot of nutrients to it. So, you know, make sure there's some broccoli or something that actually gives your cells what they need. Um, and so don't stuff yourself. No. Um, so that's kind of a, a little bit about carb loading. Um, and a couple do's and don'ts. Start the don'ts first. So we talked about this already. Uh, don't do something new on race day. No. Absolutely not. From a nutritional perspective, um, you're setting yourself up for failure and and lots of porta potty stops. Yeah. Um, don't don't stuff yourself the night before. We just talked about that as well for the you know reasons we talked about. Um, avoid foods that are high in fiber, high in insoluble in fiber, because that can lead to GI upset. and You definitely don't want that. And then some things that you do want to do, and we just, again, we've kind of covered a lot of these things already, but keep your meals small, especially the last week. Um, You're trying to balance your metabolism. Every two to three hours, eat small meals and and just keep them higher percentage carbs in that last week. Um, Make sure that nutrition is your focus. You're not just thinking about carbs and making sure you get those. You're thinking about um, what your body needs at a cellular level. And then focus Sure, definitely on hydration because that's obviously something you need to focus on, and that's a um, good segue into the last section of this, which is uh, hydration. And um, again, this is not something you want to just say, "Oop, tomorrow's my race. I need to load up on hydration or hi- load up on fluids." You want to do this over the, the similar time frame, last two to three days. Not to say that you should ever not focus on hydration, but It should be a focus in the last two to three days. Um, And that's your best way to, um, you know, keep hydrated versus trying to catch up. But on the race day morning, you should consider, and again, this is something you should practice because everybody's different. Um, Within two to three hours prior to your race, you could do something like eight to 16 ounces of water. And don't just chug that water. Don't just get 16 ounces and just down it. You want to drink like you would normally drink that water, so you know sip on it or whatever you normally, however you normally drink sixteen ounces of water. That's what you want to do two to three ounces or two to three hours prior, and then you can do another eight to sixteen ounces right before the race. So, and again, not chugging it because uh, you don't want to put yourself at risk for um, you know diluting your electrolytes, which can lead to hyponatremia and, and things you definitely don't want to get into. If you're a heavy sweater, or um, I think what they call a salt sweater, that's that's me. After a long run, and I've sweat a lot, um, you have like like a, a white, um, dry, uh, on you know places like your forehead. That tells you that you're losing a lot of sodium. So again, this this needs to be something that you uh, play with in terms of balancing. But you might want to consider a sports drink instead of water. You know whatever works for you. Um, and, and we'll probably go into more detail in another podcast about, you know, how you can figure out where you are on that spectrum. But I guess what I'm saying is don't just, don't just think that water is going to be the perfect solution for you if you if you have different needs. And then, and I already covered the the fact that you shouldn't chug it, you should do it over time. So I didn't cover that in a whole lot of detail, but what what are your experiences with that, Travis?
0: Well, um... No, I thought that was great. But one thing that I noticed too, when um, it, it can just it can sneak up on you if you're not ready for it. So let's just assume you're hydrating with water before any kind of run, and then you get to the race. Most races will have um, aid stations that have both water and Gatorade. But I I know you're going to probably do this in a future podcast. But when you mentioned that, it just made me think that. You know, if you're training and practicing your hydration routine based off of water, and you get into a race where, you know, they have water and Gatorade, um, you know, and if you don't plan appropriately or prepare your body, it sounds silly, but you know, a couple of those Gatorades during your your race could, you know, throw your body for a loop, and like you said, you could find yourself, um, you know, in the porta potties where you don't want to be. So. Um, oh, that's so true. You know, you know, and it's it seems silly, but it's um, it's probably happened to almost all of us that, you know, just oh, this one swig of Gatorade during the you know during this race won't hurt me, uh, but yet yeah, all through your training cycle you haven't had that part of your routine, and it certainly can throw your body for a loop. So, just don't kind of, I guess, underestimate what what that can do for you.
1: You know, to build upon that that concept, you know we're in the dead of winter right now and it's cold outside so our hydration needs we still underestimate our hydration needs this time of year but they're different than when it's 80 degrees outside and so when you're training for something that might be in may and who knows i mean we've had races in may that were 90 90 degrees so you're you're training right now at least where we're at in the in the 20s and You could figure out your hydration, um, you know, how much you sweat, your sweat rate, and what that's made up of right now. But if you don't constantly keep track of that and and measure that on a consistent basis during times that are much different, you know, when it hits April and gets up, maybe have a a 75 or 80 degree day, you can't use those same uh, methods for um, hydration. On, between a 20 degree day and a, and a 75 80 or 90 degree day so it has to be something you constantly look at and and wage for yourself and then like you say um if you haven't made it part of your training already you don't want to switch it up during the race prior to the race or, or even after the race so really good point travis
0: so one last question on hydration <laughs> That might be my reservation to um, the, the pasta shop there um,
1: you know these these podcasts can't be perfect right right life um, happens yeah but if that is Buca de Beppo
0: tell them I'll call him back um, <laughs> so what one of the last questions I had on hydration was you're like just like me with the coffee what, what is your take on coffee and um, before before runs because I have been doing that during my long runs this training cycle and haven't had any kind of negative effects of that but just kind of wanted to see where you are on that
1: yeah so I would call I consider myself a coffee addict or addict so you know take what I say with a grain of salt Um, I, I really do think that's a personal preference there's there's studies you know people write about this stuff All the time. I think the last one I read is you know, the caffeine and coffee and other drinks can actually be a a good thing. I I think that the one thing to consider is um, if you train with a heart rate monitor, it can affect your heart rates a bit. It can make them higher than um, they usually are. So just keep that in consideration with, you know, if you do train with coffee, uh, or not train with coffee, but if you drink, drink, coffee prior to your training that it may affect you in that way but i think use your judgment some people coffee can cause gi upset so obviously i wouldn't do that race morning unless you've practiced that and you know it's going to be okay for you but just like anything else you got to practice it make sure you understand how it's going to affect you and just don't do um don't do it if it's if it's not a good outcome in training
0: gotcha very good well, Dan, that was a great segment on nutrition and hydration. Um, I know some of those equations, you know, just listening probably sounded complicated, but we'll get those on the blog along with um, Dan's other tips that he covered today. Um, we're, we're right around 30 minutes, Dan. you care if we do this rapid-fire random runner's world? Let's go for it. Let's do it. Um, so this is from runner's world April 2012. We're going way back. Um, and this is just the Q&A, Ask the Expert. So we'll we'll go through these three really quick. So this first question is, should I wear lighter shoes when I run on the treadmill? So think about that. And you know what the conditions were like here in the Midwest today, Dan? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Alyssa ran 18 miles on the treadmill. <laughs> so oh, my gosh. I, I, really, I just don't know how she did it. Um, and you know, my max on the treadmill is like 45 minutes, but she was down there for like two and a half hours. So that is um, crazy. But, but I know she wore her normal training shoes, but it looks like this, uh, reader was just asking, should, you know, should you wear lighter shoes?
1: Um, you know, I, I, here's just my answer. I'd like to hear what they say, but I don't think that you need a specific pair of shoes for a specific thing. Um, my personal preference is where the shoes you wear all the time. If, if you are going to wear lighter shoes, um, I think you just buy lighter shoes and run with those all the time. So, you know, again, it's, I I think you don't want to try new things at any time during your cycle. Um, switching up between treadmill and, and road. I don't, I don't think I would see any difference there.
0: Yeah, this, um, this says essentially if you've got lightweight trainers um, that you're norm, you know, you normally run in, that's fine, um, but nothing kind of groundbreaking in the response, um, and that's kind of what my gut was telling me too. That, you know, why mix it up if you've got, you know, your normal pair of training shoes? Um, yeah. Uh, there's no reason to, to mix that up. Um, so here's another question: Why do my arms get fatigued when I run fast?
1: Hmm. Yep. Um, so when you're running faster, typically most people are using their arms a little bit more, probably unconsciously to, you know, your, your legs are going faster. Your natural tendency is to make your arms go faster. And so, you know, if you are normally running at an endurance, uh, at a, uh, a low effort, you know, your, your arms might go back and forth a little bit, but at a higher effort, not only are your legs going faster, your arms are too, so you're just probably not used to it. Um, You're using some accessory muscles in your arms that you're probably not used to, and likely that's that's what I would guess the issue is.
0: Yeah, that's what the expert responded is, um, you know, essentially work on your upper body um, strength. Um, It sounds like she also made a theory that you could be, um, you know, almost subconsciously, it seems like tightening your, your neck and your shoulders. Um, so it looks like they were just giving some advice that if that's the case, just make sure you're running loose and keeping your arm swing uh, close to your body. But then they, do, they go on to recommend, um, you know, simple uh, push-ups and pull-ups to help with that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So here's the
1: last one. I'm sore from yesterday's
0: run. Should I take today off?
1: Hmm. Um, Um, I think it depends on your level. Um, I think anybody could benefit from um, the next day um, walking. I mean, you could definitely take the day off. Um, You probably shouldn't have a training plan to where you're you're doing such a workout that you're sore the next day and then doing something heavy. Um, But I think, you know, typically a recovery – of doing some activity is a little bit better, like walking. Now, if you're a beginner or if you are, uh, you know, not a, a lot of experience, I would definitely not run the next day if you're not scheduled to. And I would, I would walk. Um, but you definitely could take the day off the next day.
0: Yeah, essentially that's what the expert recommended. Um, you can either take the day off or go for a short, very slow run. And she went on to talk about micro-tears in your tissue um, Mm -hmm. and and just giving your your body time to recover a little bit. Um, Doing doing
1: some activity. The the theory behind walking or light running is doing some activity uh, brings the blood flow to your muscles. So when you you, you do have those micro-tears… Um, that extra blood flow to those muscle tissues helps to heal them faster and give them the nutrients they need. So that's the theory.
0: Well, I cannot think of a better way to close out 20. I'm going to read you exactly what this expert said. Light exercise is best. It stimulates more blood flow to your muscles, which uh, will improve the micro tears. So essentially almost verbatim. You don't have this magazine
1: right in front of you, do you? I don't subscribe to Runner's World. Okay. And I'm glad I, I that one worked because I felt like you stopped me on the first two,
0: yeah, well, I tried. I mean, I don't think I've been successful yet with one of these, and we're like twenty episodes in. so um Dan, thanks again for your time what's you know what's going on with runfit three sixty five I feel like there's a lot of stuff on the site that we should be talking about and promoting, um, yeah.
1: So we continue to work on race relationships. I've got several emails of people that are interested. I'm going to be posting probably a couple more races um, in the next couple days that are um, partnering with us. We um, talked about last time there's a a page that we uh, created that if you are a coach that is just getting started or if you're an existing coach that just wants some good material or if you're a self Um, coached athlete that wants to learn more about how to get better at certain things. We have a page, um, that's essentially coaching resources. Um, and it's nothing more than just a collection of books that I've used. It's not the whole collection just yet, but a lot of great information and books that you can use to, um, learn a lot more about the science and the art of training. Um, what else
0: we've got the pr challenge i think i know a lot of people are getting ready for the spring races now um we've had tons of plans downloaded so we always want to hear back from you um in regards to how your race seasons are going or um even training's going and the best way to do that is to find our facebook page or find our twitter page or drop us an email you can find everything um in regards to how best to connect with us at runfit365.com um Oh, another thing, um, you know, thank you for the loyal listeners. I think last time Dan and I looked, we've had over 15,000 people listen to our small little podcast. So that is like, that's huge. Um, So the next time, if you think about it and you're on iTunes, um, someone gave me this advice that if you feel comfortable and you want to give us a review, um, that tends to help grow our listener base. So um, if you listen through iTunes, just give us some feedback there. We'd appreciate that. Um, what else, Dan? Anything on RunFit?
1: No, I think we're just continuing c- continuing to try to think of ideas to help people, um, yeah. and we'll continue to do that.
0: All right. Well, this was Episode 20. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, happy training.